So it's my job to take half an hour to attempt to encourage you in the Word of God um, and contribute to your refreshment on this time. And speaking of refreshment, I, I mean, I have to say, we got to come last year as well, which is it's such a treat to be here. It is, a, it is incredibly nice to be here, isn't it? The Sofitel, the Sofitel luxury. Uh, like just checking in last night and having the lady say things to you like, so your room and your breakfast all looked after. And then you walk into your room and it's very nice. I mean, Deb and I have, have these little moments like, this is a bit nice, isn't it? And then you start thinking, do we deserve this? Now, let me assure you the same way I assured my wife. Um, those who give towards supporting Geneva so that this can happen don't want you to spend your time feeling guilty like you don't deserve this. They want you to be refreshed. They want you to be encouraged. They want you to invest in each other and keep going in your work because it's so vital because the gospel is so valuable. Um, so please approach this time in the same way if you're able to. Let this be for you. Um, last year, as Chris Egans was doing the talks, I was, you know, as Bible teachers, if you're involved in Bible work, there's that occupational hazard where you, you, you find it really hard to listen without critiquing what you don't think is right and um, taking and using what you do think is good. You know, and I, so I found myself trying to dial that down a little bit as Chris talks. You can't turn that off, I know, but if you're able to dial it back and just let this be for you and try to receive it yourself and be refreshed. You can tell me later if you think I've got it wrong. That's okay. Um, Try and let this be for you. Take some time to reflect and invest and be refreshed. And what I want to do is I want to help you to do something quite simple, and that is reflect on what you already have in Christ Jesus. Trusting that if you're able to do that, you'll end up being encouraged and you'll end up having your security as a person built and developed. Um, Personal security is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, whenever you spend time around someone who actually seems to be really secure as a person, um, it's, it's an attractive thing to be with them. It's always a good thing. In, um, someone who's actually really secure as a person is actually usually able to relate really helpfully to the people around them. Instead of being able to relate from a place of neediness, where they're needing everyone to affirm them and love them, they're able to, to, from a really stable place, just actually focus on the people around them and love them. And in this kind of time and space, we're trying to think about how to build our marriages. And it, it occurs to me that you know marriages that really thrive, thrive as two people are just attempting to out-serve and out-care each other, really to be focused on the other. I'll leave more of that to Scott and Kim later. But um, you will best serve your husband or your wife the more secure you are as a person. The more you're able to just be okay about where you're at and who you are, and particularly in Christ, you'll be able to serve best. So I'm hoping this will allow you to just kind of settle down into who you are a little. Um, security is a funny thing. Have you ever noticed how some people just seem to be born with more personal security than others? I think it's true. Some people are just born thinking they're pretty fantastic and everything's okay, <laughs> you know? And others are born the very opposite way, feeling like this world's going to trash me and I'm hopeless. You know? and it, some, some of those things you just get when you're born. Um, but other, m- security can develop over time as well through different experiences in life as you persevere. And I think we can all develop in our security as we reflect on the incredible reality that we have in Christ Jesus. Security develops as you deepen in your understanding of how secure your relationship with Jesus is. Yeah? So I want to encourage you to do this while we're here in this talk and in the next one. 
Try to take a long, hot soak in the bath of God's goodness to you in Jesus. Try to kind of let it wash over you. Let the swim around in these truths. Let, let these truths kind of warm up your core and seep deep into your bones and nourish you. And if you don't like the idea of soaking in a bath, you're more of a shower kind of person, like let, have a long, hot shower in the love of God, if you can. The kind of long, hot shower that you feel bad about having at home because you think your water's going to run out, but when you're at a hotel, you can just go for it. Yeah? Have a long, hot shower in the love of God and take a big, deep breath and know and feel and enjoy again his goodness to you. Philippians tells us to, you know, whatever's true and noble and excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things and know the peace that transcends understanding. So here's the core concept we're going to look at now. Um, if you're a Christian, that, what that means is you are a person who is in Christ. Yeah? I'd say that's the New Testament's favourite way of describing who you are as a person. It's in all of the letters. And once you start noticing it, you're spotted everywhere. Think about your classic passages. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, we're all children of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you're a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come because you're in Christ Jesus. Um, this concept of being in Christ Jesus speaks to the amazing reality of what you really are or more accurately, where you really are. Because if you're in Christ, you've been moved into a whole new location. You're now in the location of Christ, and that is the most secure location you could ever find yourself in. You were found to be in Christ because he has come to live in you. It's the wonderful supernatural reality that we kind of get coming out of the passage here. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 there. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed and you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You become in Christ as he comes to live in you, as the promised Holy Spirit seals you and comes to you. And we know that that comes upon belief. Yeah? You get included in Christ when you hear the word and believe it. Now, many would notice there seems to be some kind of order of salvation here, like a logical order, where a person hears the gospel, they believe the gospel, they receive the spirit, and they receive the blessings of being in Christ. But we know it's not a chronological thing, is it? It's, it's instantaneous. It all happens in the same moment. The minute you came to believe, you, you were entered by the Holy Spirit. He came to dwell in you, and the minute Jesus came to dwell in you by his spirit... You dwell in him. And you, from that moment, have been considered to be united with him, one with him, a member of his body, genuinely in Christ, in him. And now, because that's the case, your connection with him is so comprehensive that from now on, it's to be considered like this. Wherever he is, you are. Uh, and it gets trippy when you think back in the past, but wherever he's been, you've been. And wherever he goes, you're going to go. 
because you're in him. Maybe you've read Rory Shiner's book on union with Christ, really, because that's the kind of topic we're looking at here. He uses the aeroplane illustration that a Christian is like a person who climbs aboard the Christ plane. That's a helpful illustration. You've all just spent time on a plane, likely, recently, to, to make your way here. And, you know, you get in a plane and when you entrust yourself to the plane, then really what is true for the plane becomes true for you. You know, wherever it is, you are. So if it's grounded, you're grounded. If it takes off, you take off. If it crashes, you crash, you know. What happens to it happens to you. And there's no no more secure place to be than in the Christ plane um, because there's security in being in him because of the reality of who he is. When you see your life that way, it does make sense of some of the passages in the New Testament. Like, look at chapter 2, verse 6. You know, if you're in him and so wherever he is, you are, it makes sense of this kind of language. Look at chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Notice it doesn't say, and you will be raised up with Christ, and one day you will be seated with him. You know, though that's true, you will be with him. This is saying, it's talking about something that's already happened, because you're already in Christ. You are now seated with him in the heavenly realms. That's insane. You get... Flick with me to Colossians, you get similar language there, of course, in Colossians chapter 3, almost a parallel passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Not since then, one day you will be, but since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God the Father. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Because you're in Christ, there's, there's, there's a sense to which a key part of your reality of a person is, as a person is kind of hidden from the world that you live in. Everyone in this world sees you as being here. And you are here, but that's not the complete reality to who you are and where you are. You are also in him, and because he's there, you're there too, because you're in him. Which, which speaks to the security of what we have in Christ. How's this? So secure is your relationship with Jesus that you are counted as already having already being there with him in the heavenlies. And if that's the case, it makes sense, doesn't it, that we're called to therefore set our hearts and minds on things above where we are seated with him right now, where our home is in heaven, where our security is in him. Come back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Part of being in Christ is you get lavished with every spiritual blessing in him and spiritual blessings are hard to get your head and heart around in comparison to physical blessings. Is that right? It's so much easier to celebrate to see and celebrate and get excited about physical blessings. Yeah? You, know, you just heard Deb and I talk, of, you know, gave you a little glimpse of what we just experienced in Vanuatu. And I'll tell you of a little moment I had towards the end of the trip. It really was the kind of trip where day after day, Deb and I found ourselves turning to each other, shaking our heads going, is this really happening? Are we really here? Is it really working? Is it really this good? Is it really everything we've wanted to do as a family? It was seriously one of those times you can hate me for having it, I know, because not it, 
holidays don't normally go like this for us, but it went like that. And we were, we were literally overwhelmed with the kindness of God for the blessings that he gave us as a family in that time. And so towards the end of the trip, I had this little moment, and I've got a photo of the moment because Deb snuck up behind me and took one while I was in the moment, and I didn't know. It was brilliant. So I can always remember it. We, we'd go out the back of our place through the jungle to this little secluded beach where we'd have a campfire and eat and hang and surf every hour and watch the sun go down. It was, yeah, it was that good, right? <laughs> hate me for it but one particular afternoon I just kind of snuck off on my own and I stood there on the beach with my feet in the water and the waves were just kind of crashing against my legs as this incredible sunset was filling the sky and I was literally overwhelmed I was emotional I'm calling out to Jesus thanking him for this I'm getting all Pentecostal on myself right <laughs> and uh, which, which I'm cool with and, and like I was um, it, I was really enjoying this moment and being genuinely overwhelmed and thankful to God for his physical blessings that's what was going on and for the whole trip, and, and, and the waves are crashing against me, I said, I'm like, it's like these blessings, Lord, you, you just wave after wave crashing upon me. And then the cool thing was in that moment, uh, this big realisation that, that as wonderful as all that is, it's got nothing on the spiritual blessings that, that God sends wave after wave crashing upon me in Christ. And, and it, was, it was great. I had this moment where I was then able to just really thank God for far greater things, which is his spiritual blessings. And I'll remember that moment because it was very helpful to me. It's like God kind of directed me. It's like the signpost that directed me to the, the better thing. And it was really wonderful. But listen to this. As you enjoy the blessings, the physical blessings of being here in this place, just know this. This has got nothing. It's got nothing on the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ Jesus. You have everything in Christ Jesus, constant waves of spiritual blessings. So much so, I'd say like this, you've been spoilt rotten in the spiritual realm by a ridiculously charitable and magnanimous God. He's been so generous to you, so determined to pour out his favour and affection on you with gift after gift after gift. Our job is to, I think, ask him, Lord, would you, help us? would you help me see the spiritual blessings that you've lavished upon me and appreciate them and celebrate them and recognise them and, and praise you for them and know the comfort of them and know the security of them and confidence in them that I can then live and relate to others in a helpful way. Yeah? So let's pick one or two and we'll see how many we get through and whichever ones we don't get through. We'll save for tomorrow. We'll just see how far we get. But we'll just start with the first one. We're talking spiritual blessings here. Soak these in, people. Let them go deep. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Here's the first one. In him, right, he chose you before the creation of the world. So he had you in Christ mapped out and planned. He always had you in mind. It's not an accident that you exist and that you've come to belief in Christ. No, he elected you and he called you and he picked you and he pegged you. He didn't slip and accidentally come across you one day. You were always going to be his. You're exactly what he wanted. And nothing was going to get in the way of his plans for you to be in Christ. 
and lavished with spiritual blessings. Your salvation did not begin with your choice to believe in him, though your choice was very real and necessary. It began before the creation of the world, when God planned out the whole of human history and how he would redeem a people for himself. He chose you to be his in Christ. And so you are now securely in Christ not because of your ongoing performance for him, not because of your ongoing feelings towards him, but because God chose you to be in Christ. And friends, this is the glorious, unshakable reality of your life now, and it's these truths that can give you security more than anything else. So soak that in, breathe that in deep. Give you another one. It says there we're chosen in him before creation to be holy and blameless. So let's think about being blameless. You're blameless in his sight. What a reality. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's actually no condemnation for you because you're in Christ Jesus. You stand today faultless before the throne, completely innocent of your sin before him. You've now been declared to be righteous. Now, that's a particularly astounding thing if you're the kind of person who's aware of your sin. And we all need to be. In fact, we all are. That's why we've turned to Jesus. But it's particularly astounding for those of you who are perhaps more easily aware of your sin than others, if your conscience is easily pricked and you've got this acute sense of your own faults and your own wretchedness, and this is astounding to you, blameless you are. Even on your worst days, you're blameless in his sight. Even in your most wicked moments, you're faultless before him. Even when you're so bad that you shock yourself and others, you are innocent in his eyes. Even when other people condemn you, there's no condemnation from him because he's poured out your condemnation and your blame on his son. And if he's poured it out on his son and it's been dealt with there, it's no longer for you. It can't be on you as well. It's gone and it will never be put back on you. So you're now blameless. And so you can stand confident, you know, secure in the gaze and in the presence of a holy God because your blame has been removed and it's never going to be put back on you. So let that one soak in. Blameless, holy in his soul. Give you another one. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with the pleasure of his will. So you've been adopted into sonship. You've been adopted in love. 
We get this concept in other passages as well, like Galatians 3, where we get told that we're children of God in Christ Jesus. And here's why the concept of adoption is so wonderful, and that is our sin is the thing that dislocates us from our God, from our Father. And so like a child who loses its parents and becomes an orphan and then belongs to no one, we were those who were orphaned by our sin and dislocated from our father. And an orphan stays an orphan unless one day someone comes along and decides and takes the initiative to actually love and take a child and call it their own. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture, isn't it? This is what our Father does with us. This is what happens for us in Christ Jesus. God the Father, in love, looked upon you in your desperate state, orphaned by your sin, estranged from your Father. And he decides to take you as his own and count you as his own and wrap you in his love and in his care and in his strong arms And give you his name so that you will belong to him forever and live in his presence forever and have access to him and his affections forever and never be out of relationship with him because you're now a beloved child. You're in the location of Christ now and Christ really is the only legitimate Son of God, but because you're now in him, you too now are a legitimate child. And that's the truth for you now. It's a wonderful reality. What becomes available to us as we think about being a child or being a son, being in Christ, is this. Serious closeness and fellowship with God. For me, what this means is that my life is not simply about trying to get closer to God but it's actually more about understanding how close I already am and live in the reality of that because my father loves me and I belong to him and he's accessible to me he's made himself accessible to me I need to learn to live in that reality you do too as one of his precious children You get the incredible privilege of continually drawing near to the one who's drawn near to you and engaging with a holy, majestic God and being intimate with him. It's amazing. I've noticed with my kids, um, I'm not great with young kids. I'm just not. As they grow up, I get more excited about hanging out with them because I feel like I can connect better with older kids. I don't know, it's just me. So when the kids are young, I'm usually trying to kind of shake them off my legs most of the time until I realise that's just not cool and I actually <laughs> need to make myself available to them. And sometimes I, 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 I kind of wonder, why don't they come to me? And, then, you know, Deb, Deb said to me one day, you just need to get down on their level. That's a simple thing, isn't it? And so every now and then when I've got the courage, I go and I just lie down on the ground in the lounge room. <laughs> right? And it doesn't take long. And our youngest, Joey, who's seven years old and he's a pretty independent kid, he'll do his own thing, he's kind of got his own mission always. Um, and he doesn't tend to really care much about me yet. Whenever I get down on the floor and just lie down flat, he's the first to just come running and just jump on me and just wrap himself around me. And it's just, it's often a wrestle that it turns into, but there's a, 
there's affection, there's closeness, and there's intimacy. That, but, but it's happened because I've made myself available to him. And I've got to keep learning how to do these things better, you know. It's the first time I've been a dad, you know. <laughs> um, this life. Uh, but as, as I think about that picture, I mean, this is what our Father God has done for us. He's made himself available in that way. And it's like he's got down on the floor and he lies there with his arms wide open and because you are now his legitimate child, you have access to him. And how often do we go just not taking up the incredible privilege that it is to be with him, you know, enjoying his presence, you know, enjoying him speaking to us in his word and engaging with him in prayer. What a wonderful father to call us his own and make himself available to us like that. These are incredible blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to kind of leave it there. I think I've given you three there and I'm hoping that they will, I don't know, seep in a little, refresh you a little, encourage you. Kind of build that security that we all need to keep building in order to then step out and love and engage with the people around us in a way that's helpful. So um, I'll pray and I'll leave it there. Father, thank you for the way you've decided to come to us, for us, and bless us. Though we don't deserve any of it, you've spoiled us rotten in the spiritual realms. Lord, would you help us to see these incredible spiritual realities that you've chosen us, you've adopted us, you love us. Help us to let these realities sink deep and nourish us and build our security. Lord, we long to be more secure than we are in you and we long to relate well with the people around us for your sake. Please do that work in us by your spirit, Lord. Amen.